Welcome to The Scoop, the official podcast of the City of Nelson, hosted by Ginger Lester and by me, Avi Silverstein. Hi, Ginger. Hi there. Hi, everyone. Um, We've got a really exciting and informative podcast for you today. We're talking about emergency management and what that means for Nelson. We all know that there's risks such as wildfire and flooding in our community. And today we're going to discuss what the City of Nelson is doing to mitigate the impact of these events or these type of events. So what people may not know is that our mayor and council established a robust emergency management program a number of years ago, and that includes a director of emergency management, emergency management coordinator, and a physical emergency operations center. Today's guest is our emergency management coordinator, John Topolovic. Our plan is to grill John on all things emergency management. So with that, Avi, you can take it away. Hey, John, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm hoping you can start off by just telling us a little bit about your background. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, thanks for the invite to, to join the scoop here. Uh, really excited. Um, so, I spent um, eight seasons with BC Wildfire Service uh, as, on an initial attack crew. Um, I was, uh, and during that time, I was on the, uh, you know, as a first responder on the front lines during both the 2017 and 2018 wildfire seasons, which were. Uh, you know, pretty pretty devastating for a lot of areas within uh, the province. And um, along with that, I also got to do some flood response work, um, primarily in Kelowna and through the Okanagan. Um, so following my time with uh, BC Wildfire Service, I um, was fortunate enough to get a position with Emergency Management BC, uh, first as an emergency management technician, and then as a regional manager. Um, and I was based here out of Nelson, looking after the, the Southeast region, which um, included the RDCK, RDEK, uh, Columbia Shushwap, so up past Golden and Revelstoke, um, and then uh, the Kootenay Boundary Regional District as well. So a pretty broad area. And what is the emergency management program for the layperson or just the public out there who you hear these terms, but what, what does it mean and what does it mean for our community? Yeah, so emergency management is, um, you know, the when you think of emergency management, think of the larger scale um, emergencies and responses and mitigation work, as opposed to um, the direct response stuff, which is, you know, fire department, police, um, ambulance, and, and, you know, the types of folks that are directly on the ground. Uh, emergency management includes uh, sort of a, the bigger picture response um, and overall, uh, you know, mitigation and adaptation work uh, that we can do to, to protect a larger scale. And, um, what emergency management really does is support the site level response uh, and and coordinate resources. So, in in an emergency um, or really any any event, um, you can have more than one site. So, what we do in emergency management is try and coordinate the needs um, and objectives of all the various sites uh, and ensure that they're feeling supported both with resources. Um, and uh, and information and and you know trying to tie all the things together to align with the larger community objectives during a specific response. That's good information. I didn't know all that. So great. <laughs> yeah, and and another part of that is uh, where we do all this coordination is through uh, an emergency operations center, which is a physical uh, facility, which you had mentioned earlier, Ginger, and uh, during a a situation where either the anticipated needs 
um, will exceed uh, the capabilities of the site response, or it is already exceeding the capabilities of the site level response and resources, that's when we can um, activate our EOC, our Emergency Operations Centre, and staff it with trained personnel so that we can provide that required support. What kinds of incidents have prompted you to activate the EOC in the last few years? Um, yeah, there's there's been a number of them, one of them being COVID, so that uh, the EOC here in Nelson was, was activated to streamline communications and provide supports. Um, more recently... Um, we were activated for the uh, to, to assist with the Snowmageddon event in uh, in uh, in early January and uh, and then again in late May uh, we stood up to uh, help support uh, during the uh, water main break on uh, on Baker Street um, and then of course you know your uh, your your larger and more uh, well known hazards so wildfires and floods and uh, you know really anything that can impact a community or or our surrounding area. And I do want to talk to you about wildfire, but what kind of staff go into the EOC? So we have, um, you know, fortunately, there's been um, tremendous support from the the staff of the city of Nelson who have uh, been extremely involved and taken a number of training courses uh, for the various roles and responsibilities within an EOC. Um, so uh, we have, you know, uh, there's a there's a number of trained staff, but uh, for instance, even just this spring, we had seven people participate in training courses. And um, part of my role is to help, uh, you know, facilitate that training and try and bring, bring people together and and do, um, you know, exercises and just talk about uh, emergency related stuff. But um, for fulfilling those roles within the EOC, we we heavily rely on uh, on our staff here um, from various departments. And Avi and I know, because we both spent a few months in the EOC, it was a, I was going to say fun time, but it was a definitely interesting, a great learning experience. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, just going back to wildfire, because we know that's on everyone's mind and mm -hmm. probably the one event that I think people think about more than others, um, like flooding or, or anything else, gas leaks. Mm -hmm. um, what is the city doing to prepare for wildfire? Yeah, so there's since long before I started, which was only a couple months ago. Now that well, seven months now I've been with the city, but um, there's been uh, a lot of work going on, from my understanding, from the mitigation side of things for um, you know over over ten years. So. Um, now that I've stepped into this role, what we're trying to do is, uh, in in collaboration with the fire department and some of our other partner agencies, which is uh, uh, BC Wildfire Service and other provincial um, branches and uh, the regional district of Central Kootenai, we're trying to you know have conversations and trying to align our our mitigation priorities so that we can um, ultimately do. Uh, what we can to, uh, you know, to, to, to protect the communities, not only, uh, you know, Nelson, but, uh, but throughout the area. Um, and uh, I, I think it's really important that these conversations and these plannings, uh, you know, continue to um, develop and, and build as time goes on. Unfortunately, it's not something that we can do in one year or even in, you know, uh, in, even in two years, these are really large and ongoing projects that you kind of have to piece together. Um, so it's uh, it's going to be an ongoing thing, especially for the community mitigation side of things. But 
internally what we're what we're doing is um, we've uh, secured some some grant funding to um, have an external party review our evacuation plan and our evacuation route planning. So hopefully we can take that to the next level and that helps us uh, here in the EOC and, and as a city respond and should we be in a situation where there um, are uh, evacuations required, um, we have, uh, we have a, a robust plan that we can um, utilize to facilitate that in the best and safest way possible. And um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of partnerships that are required for this to work, you know, Ministry of Transportation, whether that's, um, you know, among provincial agencies and, and local and other regional, there's, there's a lot of work that goes into that. So um, aside from, you know, uh, really working on our evacuation stuff, we're also uh, securing, or I have secured grant funding to uh, continually um, enhance our emergency operations center with, um, with uh, some equipment so we can, um, you know, have more capacity to respond. And uh, uh, although it doesn't fall exactly under my purview, um, the fire department and the fire smart initiative that they have going on is, is really, um, is really good for helping, um, you know, reduce the risk within the community for wildfire, especially for, and uh, Chief McCharles, uh, former Chief McCharles would say this a lot, especially from uh, the ember showers that can be carried for, um, you know, kilometers and kilometers um, during a large, uh, you know, if there's a large wildfire within a, a relatively recent um, or close proximity, I should say. Yeah. yeah. Well, John, you know, we, the one thing we haven't touched on yet is extreme heat events. <laughs> you know, everyone, I think it's still fresh in everyone's memory is last year's uh, heat dome. And I'm just wondering, yeah, what lessons did the city learn from that? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, that was definitely an, an interesting event. Um, I, you know, it's been, there's been a lot of conversations about it in the spring so far, just, you know, what, what have we learned um, and how can we apply those learnings to, uh, you know, future situations that may arise. So um, one of the learnings was uh, further enhancing our heat response plan, which, uh, you know, typically I don't think was something that was really uh, implemented by a lot of communities as regularly as, uh, you know, we might start seeing with, with climate change. So um, working to build upon that and, and really solidify uh, the relationships with some of our community partner organizations so that we can ultimately come together and provide the best supports that we can for the residents in Nelson. And um, whether that's through cooling centers or, um, or other alternatives, you know, um, just trying to identify, you know, what the, what the needs are of the community and how we can um, and how we can respond accordingly. So those conversations are ongoing, but, um, one of the, the, you know, one of the biggest learnings is, is how, um, although they weren't as, um, you know, the volume of people going through the cooling centers last year, wasn't, wasn't, um, you know, massive, but for those that did utilize those centers and those facilities to, um, you know, cool down, escape the heat and learn how to stay cool within their own homes, um, I think that, you know, that speaks for itself, even if there's a couple people, it's still, um, you know, it, it's still really serving the purpose of what we're trying to do and, 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 and protecting the community. So, um, yeah, so, so continuing to have conversations about, you know, what facilities we can utilize, what those needs would be so that we can be prepared should we have to actually activate those facilities for the cooling center. Um, yeah, for, for cooling centers. And you, you've kind of brought something up that I wanted to talk about. We talk about what the city uh, has done, will do, or 
you know, things that um, for emergency preparedness. Um, but I know I learned a lot from that heat dome last year as a, as a resident who lives here, and I've made some modifications in my own home. So what can people do to prepare, not just for a heat dome, but for any emergency? Yeah, there's there's a lot of, there, there's a number of things that people can do to, to get started and, um, you know, start uh, uh, building their own household resiliency and preparedness. So um, talking about uh, sort of overall um, hazards. Um, there's three things that we really like to promote. The first is being informed. Uh, one of the ways you can do that is by registering for our uh, City of Nelson Emergency Notification System, um, which is a, a tool that we will use here in the Emergency Operations Center uh, to communicate to the public. And you can register by um, by text message, by email, or by landline. So if you don't have a cell phone or you don't have internet, that's fine. We can uh, the the messages that we send out will will be um, sent out as a as a voice recording or as a, um, uh, transcribed into voice. Um, so there's there's ways that you can still access that information, and that's where we'll really give our critical. Um, information updates, whether it's on, uh, you know, um, a potential threat, um, heat, wildfire, um, uh, you know, where uh, possible threat areas are. So if there's any evacuations um, and other instructions and, and, and um, ideas and, and locations for where people can find additional information. So um, being informed is, is one of the, the biggest things. The next is, is having a plan. Now, um, that could be your own household preparedness plan, um, which is something I really encourage. Part of that's having a grab and go bag, um, but knowing where you're going to go and how you're going to get there in the event of an emergency. So, um, you know, for me, I, I have I'm fortunate enough to have some some family in uh, in the province here. So, um, you know, if if I ever need to to go anywhere, although uh, with my role here, it's it's pretty unlikely. But um, I know that. Uh, you know, the rest of my family can, can travel up to Kamloops and, and stay with some relatives. So um, I know that may be a, a far distance for some people, but I, I encourage people to to reach out to friends or family, um, whether they're, uh, you know, it, nearby or, or as as close as, as you can find and just have those conversations, you know, hey, can I, if something does happen, are we able to, to stay there? Um, and then knowing how you're going to get there. So if you don't have a vehicle, maybe you're able to talk to a neighbor and see if uh, if they could give you a ride somewhere if uh, if that situation does arise. But even just thinking about those things can really help. And then and then the third is um, I kind of alluded to is having a grab and go bag and making sure that you're uh, you're you're prepared and you have all the things you need. And everyone's grab and go bag is going to be a little bit different because we all sort of you know have have different uh, priorities and different things that we consider important. But one of the things is for sure having copies or originals of important documents, um, whether that's identification or banking information, maybe a contact list, um, some clothing that is uh, that is seasonal. So in the winter, maybe you're packing some warmer clothes as opposed to the summer, um, making sure that you're packing for your pets. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, potentially vaccination history and, and some extra food. Um, and, and just the other things that you think, you know, uh, yourself or your family might need if you have to leave and, and won't have access to, um, you know, some of the regular amenities for, for a day or two. And we typically shoot for the 72 hour mark is, is what we ask people to plan for. 
Yeah, that's really great. I know, I know I've done a, I've done a lot in my own home and uh, mostly I think, cause I, I listened to you. So yes, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll touch uh, because I, I didn't really cover it. So that I, I think for the, the heat specific stuff, there's, there's a couple other approaches that people can take. And um, you know, we're so fortunate here in the city that uh, you know, we have a lot of green space and a lot of shaded areas. And, um, you know, if you're able to, during the heat of the day, escape and, and, you know, try and find some grass or, or some shade and stay, stay cool that way, if you find your home's getting too hot. But the other thing is, you know, checking on your neighbors and people that are, um, you know, that, that, you know, might have some challenges. And I, I think that's really important. And one of the things that we all have to do is look out for one another. Um, and, you know, that type of, uh, uh, you know, that type of, of community aspect really helps bring resiliency to all of us. Yeah, you're right. Cause some people have more, um, like Avi lives out, uh, um, he's got more land and animals. Mm -hmm. And so he may need some help from his neighbors and I have some neighbors who, who I could help. So that's a really, really important point. And I'm glad you brought that up. And I just want to throw in a quick little, um, communications note that you can go to nelson.ca and on the very top of the screen is where you can click to uh, sign up for the emergency notification and I'd also um, suggest people check out nelson.ca forward slash programs a lot of the emergency management information is linked there so um, and if you go to our page uh, you can learn everything about the grab and go bag and the being prepared through prepared bc yeah anything else to add there john no, no, thanks for thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, that's uh, uh, the the city of Nelson website has a, a ton of great resources, which are the ones that uh, that Ginger's mentioned. So, um, yeah, continue to uh, to visit there, and uh, if you have any suggestions for things that might be missing, um, you know, emergency management's happy to to try and provide information that'll uh, um, you know be useful to to everyone. I'm going to hand it over to Avi for the last question. Sure, I love this question. It's the same question we asked uh, Colin. Uh, the director of public works here when we had him on the podcast but you know back in january the city of nelson obviously had a record snowfall overnight and so the question for you is if you had to choose between a heat dome or snowmageddon what would you choose you know i i'm gonna have to go with snowmageddon um yeah the heat dome was uh, was a challenging one for everyone and i i know that the snowmageddon was too but yeah, from from an emergency perspective, I, I'm I'm going with uh, with snowmageddon. That's what Colin said. Yeah, <laughs> I think most we people, all especially you <laughs> know, you ask people in July, everyone's choosing snowmageddon. Totally. Uh, but yeah, and we are we are looking at some hotter weather next week, I believe. We are, yeah. So it looks like temperatures are starting to climb up into the the low low 30s. So. Um, yeah, yeah. I encourage people to use, uh, uh, you know, exercise some caution, and uh, you know, if, if you can, use some of the the water parks in town or some of the green space, and uh, yeah, do your best to stay cool. Uh, yeah, try and keep your windows closed and blocked during the day so that it, uh, it it can eliminate some of the heat that can come through the windows. Yeah, anything you can. Great. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for today. This has been The Scoop with Avi and Ginger. And thank you to our guest, John Popolovic. Uh, if you do want to get in touch with us, send us an email at podcast at nelson.ca. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.